Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good afternoon. Gives you chills, doesn't it? The name of Jesus. Last week we talked, you better put some spec on it. Respect, okay? And his name's mentioned. Reverence and awe, and we ended last week where we can pick up this week, even if you missed, that we can continue the journey of just examining who Jesus is and how that impacts us and how that impacts our world, that Jesus is God coming through for the rescue. His name means to deliver, to rescue, to save. It's in his nature that he is on pursuit to complete the mission that God wants to restore me and you. And before we do that, I want to highlight some few things coming up on the calendar. We have right around the new year on January 6th, starting Monday through Friday at the loft, we'll have 21 days of prayer from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then on the weekends, prayer will be here. So we'll streamline or stream live with uh, hundreds of churches for those 21 days of prayer all across the nation. And it said, if you win the morning, you can win the day. And I would say if we can win January, win the beginning of the year, we can win our whole year. So let's engage and lean in at the start of next year. There's a verse that's always sobered me up real quick. Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And think about that for just a minute. To have all of your work, all of your efforts exposed that you weren't building anything and that God wasn't in it and it was was just a waste of time. That would be horrible. So how do we know if what we're building pleases God? Well, one, if we examine them more in the word. but, But two, I think this is the big one to highlight. Spend time. Ask them often, do you even want me doing this? Is this fruitful? Many times we ask, well, how do I know God's will? Have we asked God if it's his will? Now, if we have, then let's, let's keep wrestling. I think we begin to learn that more. So that is the calendar coming up. And then also to remind us, we got three more weeks for the Heart for the House offering. On top of our tithes and offerings here, the special kind of year end, let's go big and three focuses, as Christy was mentioning, one for our leaders to empower them, send them on a retreat because that's going to take money and we want to offset some of those costs because we want to reach the city and raise up great people to reach the city. And that requires us to raise up servant leaders and invest in them in time and money. Anyways, two, we also want to invest in the schools, get a grant ready so that we can have that uh, for schools that need assistance and for their classroom. And then lastly, to continue to save money towards what we're doing globally. All right, today, Jesus saves. We've heard that, right? Jesus saves. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to feel it and know what it means. So we're going to the backdrop of what it means, and I believe God is coming for us, for you today. Born again. Born again. Born again. We can hear it, but to be born again? Do we remember what it was like to be born again? If we haven't been born again, today's your day to get born again. New day. Acts chapter 4. 
This is the first recorded book of the, 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 the action of God, like the church in motion. And Peter has preached already in Acts chapter 2 about Jesus. People respond and they're like, what must I do to be saved? It continues to officials and three and then four. We're picking this up again. Peter's preaching and he's going about his business. And you got to understand, Peter's somebody who's unlikely to be preaching. He's let Jesus down. In fact, he, he's ruled by his emotions so much that he cut off uh, the, the, the guard's ears, ear when they were trying to overtake Jesus. He's like, well, I know what to do. I'm just going to pull out. Like, we're doing this. We're fighting. Jesus is like, no, that's not how my kingdom comes. So Peter is, Peter is unlikely to be, uh, be used by God. So if you feel even in the slightest bit unlikely to be used by God, you might be a great candidate to be a leader for God here today. Verse 8, then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of, by the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now, that is biblical language for Jesus is the blueprint. And when we get off from the blueprint, we don't even know what we're building anymore. We need a level to find out if we're hanging things correctly. Jesus is the level. He's the guide. He's the cornerstone, meaning the first piece that's put down in any type of building that all of the other stones can line up for. So he's the corner that I can see. I need to build my whole life in light of this cornerstone, that he's been rejected by all people. People weren't like, ah, Jesus saves. They're like, nah. Nah, because if he's got to save me, he's got to do it my way. He's got to get me out of this condition right here, right now. But he was offering something way beyond a paycheck, way beyond getting a house here now. He was offering eternity and forgiveness of sin. And he was offering relationship, companionship in the moment all the time. Which one would we choose? Assistance that lasts for a lifetime or presence that lasts forever? We have a shallow view of Jesus. And a lot of times we want to give him all of, uh, we want to tell him what we want for Christmas and how he should answer us. But he knows what's best, okay? He knows. And, and, and uh, uh, I don't want to spoil the alert of where we're all going on the sermon, but guess what? All of us, apart from Jesus, are on the naughty list. Everybody. Everybody. Think we're sweet? Naughty list. Done. No presents. Cole. All of us. It's over. It's horrible. We're done. We're dead in sin. It's wicked. No, one's, no parade, nothing. No tree, no presents, garbage. Right? Like, I, we can't outgrow that. It's good to go back. It's good to remember what type of people he saves. Wretched, dead, broken, incapable, naughty people, naughty kids. Here's what Peter says, and this is a highlight here. We're going to stay here for a moment. 
Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. There's only one gift God gave that we can be saved. Pull up just that verse, and we can read it, and just see verse 12 alone. There is salvation in no one else, which not only implies but states a truth that you and me have to be saved. Well, to understand that is to understand a rescue. If you've heard about any first responders that come in for rescue in disastrous situations, wow. To go in to the flames, to go in to the carnage, the wreckage, and to go find people, find who's, is there survivor? Is there people here just to rescue them? That's the condition that you and me are in apart from Jesus. That is, that is just the, 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 the honest truth. We can't get past that. There's no like, Jesus, we love you, without understanding what the, the, just the weight of this and how serious this is, that we genuinely need to be saved. And until and this is how much God loves us. This is what's so neat. This is why we got to have these crazy stories where I was out there, I was living reckless. and That's not the best testimony for the record. You want to know the best testimony? It's those that avoided nonsense. Those that lived in holiness or, you know, somebody that grew up their whole life and said, man, I knew God at a young age and I chose his ways. I knew God at a very uh, early, uh, just early season in my life and I stayed with him. I walked with him and I saw people and I was pursuing him. And then, and then you got testimonies like mine. It's like, dude, I didn't know what was next. That's how far we wanted to go. We're like, how far is there even an end to this candle? We're going to find out. But you know what? There is. Because Satan's, here's what he, here's what he does. He always promises this beautiful gift, this, this path of light, this path of hope, but he is a master at deception and disguise. Master, master deceiver. That means we can be deceived because there is a strategy to deceive us. And how we then overcome that is recognizing, oh, there is a cornerstone who tells me the truth, who's not lying to me. So I need to know more about him, and that's what we looked at 1 John 4 last week, right? There's two spirits in the world, those that confess that Jesus is Lord, those are the spirits of God, those that deny Jesus, and those are the spirits of the Antichrist, the dark. There is two battles all the time going on, two battles all the time. And I would dare venture that this week you felt both battles. You felt heaven fighting for you, but you also could probably elaborate more the pain. Here's what you went through, you know, and we all start sharing our pain stories, our war stories. Let me tell you how, how my story is a little bit worse. Well, you don't get it. And someone's like, well, yeah, well, so-and-so got diagnosed with this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, well, so-and-so died on me. And da-da-da. Well, this happened to me as a kid. Well, you don't know what happened to me. And we kind of just go prolifically describing our pain. Instead of just remembering, you know what? There's two boats, those that are with Jesus and those that aren't. And you know what? If, apart from God saving our life through Jesus and, and that, 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 that salvation experience, every single person is on the same boat it is a bad painful day everyone and so now we actually start to relate that oh i can relate with all people i'm not above anybody in fact when i recognize who i am in light of god i am filthy that my best is filthy rags to the lord you know what's crazy about that maybe you've heard that in your life like my righteousness is but filthy rags to the lord you know what that is? Yeah, menstrual rags. 
girls on the time of their month. That's what God used to describe us. What? Yeah. Like, did he say that? Yeah. That's how whack you are. That's how whack I am. Dude, that's what God said. Paul said, like, you want my righteousness is rubbish. It's actually the time when they swear in the Bible. It meant, like, my righteousness is dog. I just don't want to get the state journal talking about me any further or something. <laughs> Say it. Preacher swore on stage. Bible swore. <laughs> Bible swore. Because <laughs> really, you know what? People that rolled with Jesus, they prolifically knew how, how desperate need they were. And they, they knew this statement. There was no one else that could save me. You don't know how bad it was. So bad. And God only gave one gift one way that we and you can be saved. And Jesus saves has been branded and packaged in many different ways. Maybe you've seen some bumper stickers before and you've seen some cars drive around. Maybe some of you came today and you drove in a car like this. But like, look, you know, right? only Jesus saves. Repent, right? Uh, be converted that your sins will be blotted out. Read, study, obey the Bible. Jesus saves. You must be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is true. I don't identify with the branding or the presentation. But you know what? That's true. That's what we're talking today. Jesus saves. That, that's true. When you see that, it's like, no, that, that is true. That's true. And I got, I got to examine myself and we got to examine ourselves. And, you know, uh, anyone ever seen the show Duck Dynasty? Bunch of hillbillies down there shooting some ducks and, and uh, Intriguing characters. I remember watching some of it. And Phil Robertson is the, the dad, bearded dude, crazy testimony. Uh, he's out there. I don't even know how he uses all the language, what he says, but he, he's, it's always funny. Listen, in a, good, in a, in a, in a cool way, uh, he just talks about he's out there. You know, I was out there living crazy, and uh, I think it's what May, you know, uh, Mother May was out there praying for me. And, and uh, but he talks about his simplicity of how he describes Jesus saves is so beautiful. And he was playing college football, and the story of he left college football, his, his backup, for anybody that likes football, it was Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw is a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl, I believe MVP, Steelers. He's the guy on TV. He's got a bald head, but he still chooses to grow the sides out. And he just, go like Mike, man, shave that thing, like shave it, shave it, Terry. But Terry was a backup to Phil. Because Phil was a superstar and decided to leave and just duck hunt and make that happen. But when he describes talking about his conversion with Jesus, he says, look, me and you, we're all going to go to the grave, be buried six feet under. There's only one person I found that can overcome the grave and take us, you know, after that second death we face when we face God, the one that overcomes the six feet under, it's Jesus. And so for me, I'm rolling with that guy. And I'm like, you know what? That's Jesus saves. I'm rolling with that guy. Who that we, you and me, we're all going to, whether you're cremated, we're all going to be, we're all going to die. To quote the Mr. Rogers film, anything worth mentioning is manageable, and we have to mention death because then we can manage it. So let's mention the reality that you and I are going to die, but we won't just die once. We can have the severity that we could die twice and be separated from our creator forever. And not receive the gift that he gave. And this is challenging. This is tough to even share because I'm like, wow, God, can't you provide more ways? He's like, no, I did. Provide a way. So he doesn't have to do it my way. He did it his way. And I'm okay with that. 
And that's the beauty of what it means to follow Jesus. So number one is I need to be rescued. To understand salvation is the need to be rescued. I have a need, necessity, way beyond food, clothes, water, shelter, whatever, all the necessities, whatever it is. My soul has a need to be saved because I have a creator that made me, but he's so holy and so perfect because of my disobedience, I'm separated from him. My sin seems unfair. To think through the truth that I am guilty, like convicted. I remember going to church Easter Sunday, 2002. Maybe you've heard some of the story, but part of the testimony is I was sitting up in the back row, partying for years, functioning addict. I'm working for a magazine. I'm, I'm getting to do accounting. I'm getting to write sports stories on Bobby Williams, the head coach at MSU at the time. I'm getting to write stories on McTeen Cleaves, and behind the scenes, I'm selling drugs, just, you know, you, catching cases, doing all this crazy stuff. And I know, like, there's a dead end that's coming. Girlfriend leaves me. I'm all sad. I'm depressed. I'm woe is me, whatever. And I remember this church that I remember hooping at. I show up at my Hope Church. It just so happens to be Easter Sunday because God customizes things, doesn't he? Like, he knew. And I'm hearing about Jesus dying on the cross, and he's whipped, he's beaten, he takes the wrath of God, you know, the punishment that for all sin. And I'm bawling because I'm thinking, you know what? Not just Jesus is awesome, Jesus saves. I'm thinking through this. You know what I'm thinking? I'm guilty. Who killed Jesus? I did. I, like, knew it in my heart. Like, my sin killed him. And I don't think we come to that truth enough. We're like, Jesus is my homeboy, he's my friend. Yeah, yeah, he is, but at the same time, I'm guilty. Because then now I can, I can rightly examine who I am in light of him. Because then when he comes to rescue, my praise can be so beautiful in its response. My obedience can be so beautiful in its response. My, uh, uh, my, uh, my adherence to his call. That God's been calling you for so long saying, come on, let's do something. Let's go. You've been rescued. I need to be rescued. So I remember that. And one of the craziest rescue stories ever is John chapter 8, where a girl gets caught in adultery and brought it before Jesus. Yeah, we're going. So this story right here, Jesus goes to this Mount of Olives where he goes often. And at dawn, he went to the temple again and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Now, if you've heard some preachers on this sermon, they always say, like, hey, the Pharisees and the people that caught her in adultery, they must have low-key some perversions, too, because why are they trying to find her? Why are they catching her? And then here, notice this, too. Why are they just bringing the girl, not the dude, too? Takes two to tangle, right? Where's the other half of this? Why? Because they want to show just even the severity of the law, like, Jesus isn't going to give rights to those that are in the, 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 the crevice of the community in the ancient world. The crevice that, that children are marginalized, people of different races or Gentiles and, 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 and not in the special group or the elite group and, and, and the children and women. So we just push them off to the side. And, and what you will we'll realize this about Jesus every time is that those that are most forgotten about that he esteems and dignifies the most. So this is fundamental position for us that we are the woman caught in adultery every single time. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus, he raised the bar so high. He said that if anybody has ever lusted after somebody else, they have committed adultery. In your mind. He didn't even say if you went through with it. That means a language like 
You notice Shorty's all cute. You start thinking way beyond first base. If you start thinking way beyond first base, adultery. Guilty. And what does guilty mean? You know what guilty means? That we can be separated from God forever. Yeah. That's why those bumper stickers exist. Because we're guilty. Thank God he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't condemn us. But we should feel that tension a little bit today. That tension to say, okay, I've been caught. Stand in front of the center of all people. And they start saying, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman is caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. And what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And in that moment, he's starting to change the whole environment. He's about to say a statement that no one can pass. And for us, before we can even pass, I think we have to first recognize that it doesn't matter how big your vertical is. Like, mine's like 21 inches, okay? Boom. Get some. I just dunked on you. Pow. Used to be like 28. Devin's is like 36. What keeps bringing me down? I jump, but what keeps bringing me down? Gravity. That's what sin is. Doesn't matter how sweet we think we are, sin is the gravity. So sin is the gravity of our, of depravity. And depravity means that you and me were born into sin that we can't make ourselves right with God ever. This is why grace is so scandalous. This is why forgiveness is so scandalous. So what Jesus is doing is, is so foreign. It's so amazing that he would take people on the naughty list and then make them on the good list. But just an act of his grace and his mercy, by just belief in him, that we get to be accepted by him, be let out of the cell, be rescued from the fire. Whew. Yeah. You guys still, are we cool? I want to teach you a little bit longer. Are we cool with that? All right, we're going Genesis 19. This is a story. I was about to skip it, but thank you for your affirmation. And we're going back here because I want to show you that God straight up wipes out cities at two times. He flooded the earth because we are so bad. Parents, your kids start, they, they keep messing up. Punishment gets a little bit more severe. Fair? I mean, I don't need by a show of hands because we might have to call CPS, but I'm, I'm saying there's probably been some whoopings. There's been some whoopings in this place. I'm sure there's left a couple marks, you know? Watch out, 2019. You better learn how to talk to them. <laughs> hey, that's true. You pulling out the rod? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. All right, we got some CPS workers in here, so. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's not fully what it means, but uh, the rod. This is really important because the Lord is very slow and patient with us, but he's given us a lot of warnings. I told you, I'm gonna t you know, you're going to be grounded. And his, he's so just and so perfect. And sin is such a mockery and a blasphemy. And it, it is, it's an attack I can't even think of language strong enough. 
It is so evil. And God is so perfect that he can't let that in his presence. And because we constantly choose, we don't choose him. We choose sin. He now has said, he tells Abraham, he's used Abraham, and we're all descendants of him as we put our faith in Jesus. He's used, you know, Father Abraham to show what his kingdom's going to look like to the whole world. So he's made separate, and, he's, and he tells Abraham that I'm going to destroy this city, Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy this region. And Abraham is so, he's got the heartbeat of heaven. He's saying, oh, if you find a hundred righteous people there, God's like, okay. He's like, well, you don't destroy the city. If you, what about if you find, and God's like, I didn't find them. And then what about 50? And finally it gets to one, and, 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 and God only, he sends angels there and only finds that there's a lot, lot that's acting like the kingdom of heaven and Lot receives the angels and Lot is the only one spared and with his family. His wife comes and, and their family comes but there's this crazy, this is where we pick up the story. The angels have been sent by God to then kind of evacuate the key holy people which in this case are literally only like a handful. Otherwise the city's getting wiped out and the city's gonna get wiped out and, and, and here's what happened. Now they're, they're leaving the city, the city's getting wiped out and Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Her heart was so tied to the world. And for us, friends, I'm concerned most, not about other countries, about their heart tied to the world. Other countries, they're not, they're not even vibing with their world. They're like, I hate this place. Here, we're sold to love this place. The American, everyone wants to come here, the American dream. So we should be most concerned saying, Am I, is my heart here or is my heart on the one who can make me new? And oftentimes it's not like our actions change. What changes is our affections and our attention. And so it changes. And then early in the morning, Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and all the land uh, of the plain. And he saw the smoke was going up from the land like smoke of a furnace. God had wiped out the place. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the middle of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where Lot had lived. Why would God destroy a city? Ezekiel gives us a glimpse of that. And now this iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride and plenty of food and comfortable and security. What does that sound like? The land of the free, home of the brave. And that's not a knock on here like, I'm grateful to be here. But at the same time, let's let God lead us because we have some of these things here. But you know what? If we don't support the poor and needy, that's sin. They were haughty and did detestable acts before me. There was crazy sexual acts that were going on in this city. So I removed them when I saw this. Friends, God is very grieved when we sin. Very grieved. This is not a message that says we have to do better and clean ourselves up. No, in fact, this is a message to say we can't clean ourselves up. And what's so cool is we remember who gave us new life, born again. Now we want to live clean. We want to go and sin no more. Jesus reminds us of this, of how God wipes places out in Luke 17. He wipes this whole he wiped out during the days of Noah, and when he comes back, he's reminding people, just like then, people were eating and drinking and giving in marriage, and until that day, the flood, you know, when the flood came and destroyed, and it'll be the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be doing all the same things then. 
So how do we get ready? We got to say it. Like we got to have more people around us. Man, are you ready? Are you, what's up? How you doing? I don't know, I'm struggling. The things of the world are getting me. And in that moment, not be condemning, but be like how Jesus responds to the woman caught in adultery. And we're going to close with that in just a moment. But Jesus tells us in, in, in verse 32, look at this. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. He tells us to remember who? Remember verse 32, Lot's wife. Why would he remind us of Lot's wife? Because she was getting out in the rescue plan. She was on team Jesus for that particular moment. And then she was just like, yo, the club. Yo, the party. Yo, the greed. Yo, right? Like, he wasn't better than this. And it doesn't mean like, like we're, we're horrible. But at the same time, we are. We're on the naughty list. And we remember we've been rescued. Now we start to then have this response that is warranted that is so beautiful. Worship team, if I could have you come up, but hey, check this out. I am guilty is not condemnation, but it's a realization of my need to be rescued. Hear that loud and clear. I am guilty is not condemnation, meaning like I, I don't have any, it's not like I have no options. It, it's I'm realizing my need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. And number two, lastly, I am on the rescue team. If I've been rescued, i got to get more people out. There's no other way. This good news is too amazing to be silent. Some of us, we've been so silent in our lives, it's ridiculous. People would barely know. And a bumper sticker doesn't overcompensate for that. No. God's not looking for bumper stickers. He's looking for us to bump into people and tell them after we've loved them, after they spit on our face. Because when we mess up, you know what we do? We play a lawyer. But when somebody somebody else messes up, we play a judge. And this is all of us. This is our oldest son yesterday. He dropped a donut. I was at the coffee shop, just stopped for a minute, got a $2.50 donut, it was gluten-free, I was super excited about it. I was going to eat that thing, I wasn't going to have any stomach pain, gluten-free, feeling it, going in. He's holding it, I said, hey, hold this for a minute, I'm texting, hanging out, sitting on the couch, and then I hear the little bag, I hear the donut, slip out of the bag, fall with the icing side down on the concrete floor, and I look over, I look down, I'm like, ah, oh. within instantaneously, instantaneously, whatever. He in seconds says, Dad, I was handing that to you. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. I look over, and I was like, didn't say a word. Four seconds go by. Dad, I was handing that to you. I said, buddy, I love you. But I had my hands on my phone. I wasn't even looking at you. I gave you the donut to hold. I said, so what you're feeling right now is you're feeling conviction, but you're mistaking it for condemnation. It's your sin, flesh nature. Because when we make a mistake, we want to make an excuse. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's all good. You can own that. And you know what? I don't judge you for it. Who cares? It's a $2.50 donut. But what is more important is how you respond in this moment. Way more important. 
I can't play the blame game, right? And you know, for so long in my life, I sat and I played the blame game. And finally, when, when God really wrecked my life, I realized, yeah, I need, to, I need to be rescued. No more blame game. I need to be rescued. And it was cool. And uh, just to complete that story, well, how did your son respond after that? In humility and in love. Because the Holy Spirit's strong in him. And when truth is spoken, he, he understood. But at first, he was just like me and you when we get caught. Oh, it's someone else's fault. And the cool thing was, in this particular moment, there was zero my fault. The only, only fault I was thinking how to own it was, dude, I'm not going to give you the donut again next time. You know, or I'm going to fold it, I'm going to put it in a bag. Like, that's what I was really thinking. Here's how the, uh, the woman caught in adultery continues. This is how the story ends. Uh, when they persisted in the question him, he stood and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw the stone at her. So what he's saying is, hey, all of you people that want me to kill her, guess what? You're all guilty too. So if you want her to die, hey, you be the first one if you're perfect. Otherwise, I get to determine if I'm going to show her grace or not. And the good thing is, is God is always looking to show us grace. He's always looking to forgive. He's always looking to hand out mercy. He's always looking to make us clean and whole. He's always looking to give us new hope. He's always looking to give us another chance. Right? So today's that day right here, right now. And, and uh, then he, stu- he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. So the older men are like, you know what? Dang it. My phone is filled with a whole bunch of nonsense. Man, I've been messing up for a really long time. Oh, man, I knew about this junk. Dang it, I should have told some. Man, I am so guilty. They just knew. The oldest ones knew at that point. Jesus punked them out. Game, set, match. Team Jesus. Only he was left with the woman. This is so important. When we're caught in our sin where we look like we deserve the, 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 just the absolute punishment, the absolute worst, here's what Jesus says stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, do not sin anymore. How do we have power over sin? It's remembering what we've been rescued from. Because if we remember what we've been rescued from, it would be a natural response to want to follow the one who rescued us. Like he let us out of that cell. If you would for just a moment, man, close your eyes with me and examine your heart. Where are you at today with Jesus? You're like, you know what? I need to be rescued today say, man, pastor, I like, I, I recognize today's my day. I'm sick of playing in my own world. I'm sick of, uh, I recognize I'm guilty. I need Jesus. Today's the day I'm going to put my faith and my trust in Jesus, the gift God sent to save me, to rescue me. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is a moment you're meeting with your creator meeting with your God meeting with the one who can condemn you but decides to forgive you decides to give life and mercy and he's right there face to face for the moment that you've been waiting for to be born again to be brand new free from a life of sin and to enter the kingdom of heaven if that's you you're like man I need Jesus I need that forgiveness I need rescue will you just raise your hand I see those hands 
keep it up, mean business. It's between you and God, mean business. And today's a new day, it's a new start. Man, you know what? It's been a little while since we've done this, and I think it's good. I think it's good for our souls. I'm going to give you the same opportunity I had, man. If you got your hand raised, will you just stand up? Come on, you mean business. Will you stand up? You had your hand raised. Come on. You just stand up. It's all good. We ain't judging around here. Everyone was already caught in sin. It's all good. Come on. And then if you make a next step, will you just come up front with me? Just come up front with me. Come on, right here. I want to see you eyeball to eyeball right here, right now. Today is your moment. Come on. Today is your moment. Today is your moment. Today is the moment to be rescued. To be rescued. There's just new freedom today. I don't care if you've done this 50 times, whatever. Like, today is a special day. Come on, you can fill out. Fill it in. Get, get people up here. Like, yeah, like, give some room. Fill out. Get some space. Come on. We're a family. Get up here. We're a family. Man, this is good. This is good. This is good. You guys are awesome. It takes courage to do this stuff. You guys are amazing. Hey, one more step. Why don't you ask the person on the left or right? Man, do you need to be up there? Do you need to be rescued from something? Ask them, hey, do you need to go? Come on, don't assume. You need to go? Come on, I'll go with you. Come on, you need to go? I'll go with you. I know the person that goes with the person really, they, they try to wear, wear something like, I just want to let you know, I'm the one going with them. They need it. You know what I mean? But well, I don't care the reason. Just get up here. You're going to ask the person, right? Left and right. All right? We good up there? All the way up there, huh? Little Jose, you need to come? You good? All right, baby. I like that jacket. Yeah, there we go. song we're gonna close and sing it's like it says I'm sorry Lord you know like I just made it to be this this thing that was only about me and it's a beautiful thing to say I'm sorry because God instantly just forgives he makes things new he's a clean amazing miracle working God like that's what he's doing and today some destinies some callings are taking place in this moment right here I believe there's some pastors that are awakening even in the room some people that want to love your family love your neighborhood uh, at a deep level, love your block. Like that's happening today by the work of the Holy Spirit because Jesus saves and he saves and he, and he equips and he, and he sends. Um, yeah. Let's lift our hands to heaven. I want to lead us in a rescue prayer. This isn't some magical prayer, but it helps us kind of give language to what we're feeling. Let's all repeat like a family. Say, Jesus, you are the only one who can save me, who can rescue me. Have your way forever. I want to go and sin no more. Change my appetite. Make me sick of darkness. Help me feast on your word and follow you and serve you in love like you. live like you're alive because you are I thank you for mercy I thank you for freedom and I thank you for heaven and one day you're going to make all things new it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray
Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.